0: Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, in the last several episodes, we were discussing Priscilla Shearer's book, fervent. And we were talking last week about the allegorical use of scripture. And as we were talking in between recording here, we were discussing how most of the real pop evangelical authors out there really do the same thing. They either allegorize scripture or they equivocate on terms or they use odd paraphrases to make a point that they're trying to say that really isn't what the author of scripture was saying. And so we kind of flipped through Shearer's book and we were looking at Bob's book, which is his first one, Redefining Christianity and Understanding the Purpose-Driven Movement. So that was it goes back several years and it was about Rick Warren's purpose-driven life. But the issues always remain the same. It always comes back to reinterpreting scripture, finding out what it means to us, rather than looking at what the Holy Spirit inspired authors mean. Amen. So, and you know, I, I it's interesting with Priscilla Shearer, and we're not, just to be clear, we're not saying that Shearer is like Rick Warren. Rick Warren was church growth seeker sensitive, all of that, which is not, that doesn't represent Priscilla Shearer, what we were dealing with with that is the warfare worldview. But the way they handle Scripture is similar.
1: Yes, in order to uh, really help our listeners understand what will protect us from any kind of error is study the Scripture and the Holy Spirit inspired the scripture, and what the scripture says and how it validly applies is what God said, not how clever we are at making it fun to think about it.
0: Right. Or you mentioned fun. you yeah. mentioned aphorisms in between recording, too, and that the one we were talking about last week, the cutting edge, you've, or he's lost his cutting edge.
1: That's an, yeah, an aphorism, by the way is a wise saying. Okay. And I, I wrote about that just going through this book. Um, aphorisms that Rick Warren had. The greatest tragedy is not death, but life without purpose. Oh, wow. Now, I'm not implying that Priscilla Shearer would agree with that. But as you go along, people, oh, that's interesting. I don't know if I have purpose in life. So that movement... I don't know if people are reading The Purpose Driven Life. Probably not. That was some, what, 15 years ago? Right. Well, another one. I've I've been around long enough to see these things pop up, get popular, die. Another one comes along, and so on. This is a little different. The warfare worldview is persistent.
0: Right. It is.
1: And that is very problematic because it is false. It is. And it doesn't seem to go away. It takes different forms.
0: Well, and so if we look at early church history and Gnosticism that they dealt with, this page I happen to have open in Fervent, you wrote Gnosticism in the, and we both read the same book. And so we have each other's notes in the margins here. And she had said, they are his deceptive tactics. And that of his evil entourage being stirred up in the heavenly realm and then manifesting themselves in the physical form. That's Gnosticism. These same types of things go all the way back to just after the time of the New Testament.
1: Yes, and and some people would uh, say uh, incipient Gnosticism can be seen in some of the issues coming up in the New Testament. Right. And there's worldview is not a biblical one, that somehow we need some secret information that's not accessible by ordinary means.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so, if if we get anything from this, we need to have not only a high view of Scripture, but a hunger to know the truth, and to be able to discern what is or is not, A valid implication or application.
0: Exactly. And that's what we have to do. And it's what we have to be careful of as we are approaching these Christian books. Because even Priscilla Shearer in this book, she says, truth is God's standard, the unchanging objective benchmark of the Bible by which we govern and align our lives. That is true. But what she doesn't do in this book is the very thing she just said.
1: Well, the underlying problem that happens, even with very well-meaning people, is the assumption that we need more details in order to get a better outcome, whether it's from our prayers or what have you. Okay. The cutting-edge part, the axe head, or the precision, pray with precision. As a matter of fact, God knows what we need before we even pray. Right. Right. And so much of the Bible is about our relationship with God and that He knows what we need better than we do. And we don't need to tell God details about what He should do or know details that we can't know anyhow. But we need to trust the promises of God. And as we go through life within what's permitted, staying in the boundaries and trusting Him. And when we do fail, Asking for forgiveness, not trying to find some new approach that'll make things go better now.
0: Right. And God's word says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in groanings too deep for words. That's not us praying with precision, that's us trusting the promises of God.
1: Right. And the fact is that God will take care of us because. He is one who loves us and cares for us, and we know him if we turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. If we believed in him, and the blood of Jesus washes away our sins. And we are, our passion should be toward accurately knowing and understanding the truth of the gospel. And the air that comes in is based on doctrine isn't that important.
0: Exactly.
1: And so how many people have compromised with people who deny the Trinity or don't understand Christian doctrine and are not passionate about knowing the truth, explaining the truth, expounding the truth, and laying that out there, that is ubiquitous in Christendom.
0: It, yeah, it absolutely is.
1: And so how can we say the truth is, okay, it's important, but when we go to have a big seminar, let's do something that's relevant to people. Okay. And if the truth is not relevant to us, then we need to start questioning, do I really know Jesus Christ?
0: Right. His people hunger for the truth and for the word of God and for the means of grace.
1: Yes. Yes, and if we don't have a hunger for the truth, we are liable to become deceived. Yes. Those who do not welcome the love of the truth, according to Thessalonians, are the ones who end up deceived by the lie, and the Antichrist. Yes. Who's not? I'm not saying is on a scene of history. So, to that end, we we had looked at some of the similarities. Why? Because. The next one will come up.
0: Right. There'll be another, the next big hit book is coming.
1: It hasn't even been written, but if it's a big hit book and you see it showing up everywhere from Walmart to whatever, it probably isn't very good biblical exegesis if it isn't just flat out wrong. Okay. Now, if the truth were that popular, we'd praise God. Because people would be convicted, but there wouldn't be much. The narrow gate really is not going to sell millions and millions of books. Right. Okay. Now, I'm not, it doesn't matter how many books are sold, but whether our sins are forgiven. Exactly. So these aphorisms, wise sayings, catchy slogans, we were looking at a couple of these. So to show that we're not just picking on one. Particular author. Um, I wanted to cite another version of turning the scripture into something it really isn't. Okay. In this case, Rick Warren, I did some exegesis of passages that were real popular, one of which was this that um, the Bible translation served the purpose of the author in this case. And In this book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren said that Noah made God smile.
0: (laughs) Well, that sure sounds neat, and it just gives you the warm fuzzies, but that's not what a literal translation of Scripture says.
1: Right. And the floating axe head isn't about our cutting edge. Right. So we're showing this to to show our listeners that beware of applications that have nothing to do with what the passage says. Okay. Such applications will not help us. They'll confuse us.
0: And they will every time.
1: And I'll take our eyes off of what the temptations and attacks of Satan are really about, which is an attack against what God has said once for all, and the shed blood of Christ, which was shed once for all, and how we have a right relationship with God, and so on. So here's another example. Um, Rick Warren, in a previous version of a popular book, far more popular, by the way, he claims a lot of them sold. Um, In Genesis 6, 8, the passage says that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Okay. So what point do we get from that? Well, I believe it is that the point of the flood was God was bringing judgment, but not wiping out the entire human race. Okay. Right. So the Noah incident is about God showing grace in the midst of judgment and preserving life to one family. Yes. Okay. And So I do some exposition of that. So what I said is from this verse, we learned that God shows grace even in the midst of judgment.
0: Right. And he he can and does preserve his people. Right. Throughout unspeakable circumstances.
1: Right. So here's how a popular version, at that time it was Rick Warren. Okay. Used it. Here's what Rick Ward said in his book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. But there was one man who made God smile. The Bible says, Noah was a pleasure to the Lord. And that was from the Living Bible. Okay. So it's really not what the passage says. So I went and looked up and did some exegesis. Rather than God showing grace and mercy in the midst of judging a horribly perverse situation, I wrote, Warren's version has man imparting something to God.
0: Wow. And it's absolutely backwards. It's what God did for Noah, not what Noah did for God.
1: And if you look at the mentions of Noah elsewhere in the Bible, imagine he was a preacher of righteousness Yeah, and so on. And we need to have a biblical worldview grounded in the key issue is messianic salvation.
0: Yes, and it is from the very beginning of Genesis. And that's when we keep talking about the truth. Well, yes. gen, that in Genesis is where we find the truth and the lie.
1: Right. The truth versus the lie. Salvation is found in Christ alone, only Christ himself, is fully human and fully God in the incarnation, and the one who died for sins, and the one who proved who he was through predicting his own death, burial, and resurrection. And popular warfare worldview, new apostolic reformation, purpose-driven, whatever it is, always mutes that and tries to put us in the place of whether or not God's purpose has come to pass.
0: That's right. It makes all of them, though they are different things, are all a man-centered doctrine. And right. you know, you can even look at the post-millennialism that has been so prevalent through all of American history, there again, it makes it all about us and what we are gonna do rather than God and what he has done and what he is doing.
1: Amen. So just to show, if you look it up in uh More literal translation, the New American Standard says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The New King James says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I searched a bunch of versions. And here's one. The only version I found that makes the passage man-centered, more man-centered besides the one that Rick Warren cited. The message says, but Noah was different god liked what he saw in noah
0: oh wow that absolutely it doesn't even it's not even grammatically similar well the
1: fact is uh this is not helpful and we're not saying that priscilla shearer has the same approach that rick warren did right it's a different Um, type of movement. It's more the warfare. Um, I I don't know exactly where that fits in the bigger scheme of these movements. Mm -hmm. But what we want to see is verse by verse Bible teaching, and really do the study to see what the author meant. Yes. And if the author's meaning doesn't suit your purposes, don't embellish on it with romantic idealism or problem-solving or something that people want to hear, but bring out valid implications and applications, and the readers, the listeners, the people who come to church should have an opportunity to question that.
0: Yes, and we've talked about that several different times lately, but we need to be able to discuss scripture together. We need to be able to judge doctrine. We need to be teachable, but ultimately what the authors meant, what the Holy Spirit inspired authors of scripture meant, that's the right answer.
1: Right, and if someone has a better reading or knows something that I missed in the context or anybody else, I, should, I welcome that because there's a chance to learn. Yes. I firmly believe that nothing's more powerful than what God said that we believe and get it right and ask God to change us. Right. Whether it seems relevant is, um, how would you say, that's a fleeting idea. Yes. We talked about that over dinner the other day uh, when we were talking about these topics. Things that seem relevant when you're raising little kids are probably not what you're even thinking about when you're retired,
2: <laughs> Right.
1: If, and uh, which is not something I would want to do myself because I'm a preacher. But a lot of people that I know my age have retired because the sort of jobs they did, you can't do until you're 80 or 90. Okay. And they have whole different issues going on than somebody trying to raise children. Yeah. And so... The Bible gives us everything we need for whatever stage of life we're in. And it's always relevant because every person comes into this world lost, uh, needing God. I believe that the original sin is a valid doctrine. You were dead, it says in Ephesians. Okay. And Adam all died. Everyone needs redemption and atonement. Right. Everyone who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and confesses the truth about him needs wisdom so that as God gives us grace and changes us, he helps us so that we don't dishonor him. Okay. And nothing will be more powerful to that end Than the means he's supplied to us, which we call means of grace, number one of which is scripture. Yes. Okay. So when the scripture says, um, find your purpose so that you can make God smile, that is about as worthless of anything that I have ever heard.
0: Okay. So as we're just discussing this, I'm thinking to myself, Okay, we have Priscilla Shearer, Warfare Worldview. We need to know what Satan is doing, and we need to use prayer as a weapon to thwart his strategies. Okay, we have Redefining Christianity and and the Purpose Driven Movement, which makes truth palatable to unbelievers for the purpose of church growth and finding your purpose.
1: Even more than that. In the end, there's a peace plan where the whole world is going to be saved or changed, and that doesn't work either.
0: Yep. So yeah, so you got so we have false spiritual warfare based on an allegorical interpretation of scripture. Mm -hmm. We've got false church growth. True church growth is the preaching of the gospel, and God adds His people to His church. The Mm -hmm. purpose-driven life or the purpose-driven church—that's not true church growth. Well, then then we have emergent the emergent comes along and says, well, yeah, we have the Bible, but we can't really know what it means. I mean, who knows truth? So we're just going to have our own version of how we're going to make the world a better place by finding what God is doing and joining it. Then you have New Apostolic Reformation, where we have to find out these, these secret revelations from God, and we have to make all of this work to bring about God's kingdom. All of them are missing what the truth really is.
1: Right. The truth is found in the person and work of Christ and God's revealed purposes throughout the inspired scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Right. The purpose driven, if you want to sell a lot of books, it doesn't make sense to. Uh, I wrote a book refuting purpose driven, and by the time that's fine, I'm glad I did that. It's out of print now. The book I wrote about it
2: because mm-hmm, purpose
1: driven mm-hmm. has faded from the scene. Yeah. Emergent never goes away. And we still have that book in print because what emergent is, is essentially the social gospel on steroids.
0: Yes, you know, people quite often. Everyone saw someone will say, "Oh, well, I, you know, I haven't heard anything about emergent church for a while. I thought that kind of fizzled out." Well, it didn't fizzle out. It just became mainstream theological liberalism.
1: Yeah, it's it's liberalism, assuming that you can't really know the truth, but there's this whole process of moral and spiritual evolution that's bringing us somewhere good without future judgment.
0: Yep. If you hear someone say, well, I'm a progressive Christian or talk about the progressive church, it's emergent. Yeah, progressive
1: would describe what emergent is. Yeah. It's based on philosophy, even though there's Bible used in there, you could have it without the Bible at all. Right. And in both cases, by the way... uh, I, uh, two of us visited both the Rick Warren situation and also the emergent one in the primary source research. Okay. But we're not, no one said that we misinterpreted or misapplied what was going on. Right. We gave a copy of this book to Rick Warren personally, and oh, they never did one thing to prove that Rick Warren's interpretation of Genesis 6 was correct and that mine was false. Never. No one said that. His handlers didn't say that. His leadership didn't say that. No one said that. Why? Because they don't care. Right. If somebody, if I publish something and someone can show that I had the scripture wrong, I would feel obligated to make it right. At least go to our Sunday school class where we have people can challenge what we say. And if that's a wrong reading, I'm not then make it right. Make it right. Okay. The emergent, since they didn't believe that the Bible means what it says, and that human language can't convey meaning, which is absurd because you're using human language to convey the idea that your language can't convey meaning. (laughs) So it's self-referentially absurd and irrelevant, but that's, people don't seem to care. So In the case of Priscilla Shearer, which is what we're talking about, she gets basic concepts right, but then goes somewhere else in the applications and how Scripture is handled. Yes. That may seem harmless, but let me tell you this. um, In the end, it's not harmless. Okay. The idea of the Elisha narrative and your cutting edge, would inspire people to think, if I have a really vivid imagination and I can really do a lot of things here. Okay. But it denigrates in an unrealized way, maybe in the mind of the author, the value of the scripture goes down when we use it in ways not intended by the original author. Yes. And we may talk about the power of God. We may talk about God intervening in lies. But the readers will read something like that. Well, I wouldn't have thought of that. Isn't that cool?
0: Yeah, it seems very clever.
1: But clever doesn't change lives, but the power of God in Christ, convicting us of sin and changing us by his grace, does. Right. So... God didn't see something in Noah that made him smile. He showed mercy. Yes. All the way back to the seed promise in Genesis 3 after the fall. And he's keeping his promises and not simply trying to help us solve the world's problems through some program.
0: That's right. And, you know, if you look at the thinking back to the Exodus passage the only thing the man who lost his accent brought to the table was his need, and he didn't have to f- find out how Satan was attacking him in order to get his cutting edge back. All, all he had was he had an accent at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> there was the
1: point of that is that Elisha is a valid prophet from God, and we need so at that time we we need to listen. Yes, and. This is something that the pagan religions around Israel didn't have. Someone who could do that.
0: Right. So this, this man, all he brought to God was his need. And which really still isn't even the point of that passage. The oh. point of the passage was that Elijah spoke for God and had the authority of God.
1: There's, there's probably more than one accident during that time of history in the world.
0: <laughs> right. So, you know, it's just... Yeah, we we just can't do that with scripture. And as soon as you start seeing an author allegorizing scripture or equivocating on terms, it's a time to stop back up, look at that passage and say, What is intended here by the author?
1: Yes, and that is the crucial thing that we need to bring with us here. What did God say? And how do we understand it in the context and what are valid implications and applications and what is the theme here, which is God's plan in salvation history to bring redemption and atonement. And we're not heading toward some utopia. We're heading toward judgment and we need to escape from the wrath of God. That's the big picture. Right. And emergent, was denying future judgment. And they say that. we. I debated one of their leaders. They say, we don't believe judgment is going to happen, that God's going to judge the cosmos.
0: Right. They, they think judgment is what happens now here on the scene of history through natural consequences. Right.
1: And so time after time, uh, those who are listening to this and Study and I'm trying to understand what did the biblical author mean because the biblical authors are inspired by the Holy Spirit.
0: Right. Okay. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus
1: And Bob DeWay.
0: We'll see you next week.